0: All right, so I've been thinking about pseudo dragons. They have a CR of one quarter. Yep. Ancient dragons, C- red dragons, CR of twenty four. Yep. So, would you rather fight one hundred pseudo dragons or one ancient red dragon?
1: Uh, I'm going to take the pseudo dragons every time. I have a tennis racket. This will solve my problems. I cannot use anything in my house against an ancient red dragon.
0: Yeah, definitely the pseudo dragons. Did we not think action economy? Oh, you're gonna hurt, but action economy doesn't matter against a breath weapon in real life. You think you can make all those saves as well, though? You're gonna be asleep. I am okay with that. If I just sleep through my own death, that is the way to go. That's fair. Alright, I'm with you now.
2: Yeah, sounds better than being eaten alive.
0: It's a Mimic, the Roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion podcast, where you never know what you're going to get.
1: Welcome to another episode in our conversation on dragons. I'm Adam and with me today are Brad and Kyle And this episode is called Draconic Creatures, Small Scale Threats Oh, yeah, you're welcome We've previously covered all the chromatic and metallic dragons That you can find in the 5th edition monster manual As well as dracoliches and shatter dragons We also covered wyverns, hydras, and dragon turtles The last time we talked about dragons You can find all of these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts And dozens of other podcast apps Or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on dragons that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to follow the format of the last dragon episode and outline three more cousins of the standard D&D dragon. None of these are strictly dragons for reasons we'll get into later in the episode, but they often come up in the conversations about dragons and dragon cults. And we can't continue this conversation without digging deep into the lore and abilities of the Fairy Dragon, Pseudo-Dragon, and Drakes. But before we get started, let's officially welcome Kyle into the Guildhouse. Hello, Kyle. Hello. It's been months since we've last spoken to you, and most of our listeners never got a proper introduction. Why don't you give us a little breakdown of who you are, and what your history with D&D is, and your role-playing games
2: in general, and all that all that nonsense. Uh, well, I, the first time I played d and I was 15, uh, I think. I was playing with my cousin. Uh, unfortunately, that was pretty short-lived. Uh, he didn't live too close, so we didn't have many opportunities to play. Uh, and life, you know, kind of got in the way as it tends to, uh, but it definitely left an indelible mark on me and I have been in love with role-playing games ever since. Uh, I've always eagerly jumped into any game I could find since then from Pathfinder 3.5 and 5.E. Uh, uh, apparently, luckily I missed 4.E though, so, uh, you know, um... As for role playing games, I have been playing the Elder Scrolls uh, series since Morrowind, and love Fallout. Yeah. Oh. Do you have a? Do you play a lot of like Final Fantasy or any of that kind of stuff as well? No, but, I'm
1: not as big into the JRPGs. That'll be that. Megan is still going to be. I'm with, point on be upset, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. She'll be upset. but I'm with you. Uh, how how's traveling back from the Tomb of Horrors? Any wacky adventures or bullshit that happened there?
2: Uh well, let's just say that I'm glad I brought a lot of bodyguards with me and uh, my honeymoon phase with the undead is definitely over.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's uh let's jump into these really quickly. Um I mean, of course, also hi Brad. Hi. There we go. So you get your voice in here. Stair. Yeah. So, before we get into it really quickly, Um, we've each got a different uh, dragon subtype to to cover here. Uh, Like I say, it's fairy dragons, pseudo-dragons, and drakes. The first thing that everybody should know is that these are going to be around civilization more than your average dragons are. First of all, drakes are created by humanoids. Second of all, pseudo-dragons are often familiars. And third, fairy dragons are usually around the fey bullshit kind of of scenario. And in the Feywild, obviously, they are fey and not dragons, right? Uh, Both? I mean, they are considered tiny dragons, so... Are they? Yeah. Um, Good, because in previous editions, they used to be able to have both. uh, You could have more than one kind of uh, creature type. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case anymore in 5th edition. Like everything, they've streamlined it. Okay. But all of these creatures are used to being around humanoids. So it's a little bit different than your wyverns and your hydras and your dragon turtles who stay out there on the fringes of society and don't often interact with intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. So, let's all grab a die and let's roll for initiative. We're going to see who's going to take us away first. You both
0: hit mine. I got a 16. 11. I can't, I'm going last. You both hit mine. <laughs> you passed. All right. Uh, who got who got- I, it? I'll go first. I get to start opening us with the Pseudo Dragon. So, Pseudo Dragons. Small dragons effectively it's all in the name they generally tend to look like tiny red dragons uh, a little bigger than would fit in the size of your size of your hand but if you look at the official character art it's kind of about the size of a book like maybe a bigger tome but it'll sit on kind of a hard it's tome. like a cat size right kind of, just a little bit like a small cat though yeah okay they're I mean, tiny sized officially. they are officially tiny sized, that's yeah. correct Um, as far as demeanor and personality, they're fairly reserved. They keep to themselves. They really only fight in self-defense. They're not out to pick a fight. They're not aggressive. I mean, if you're going to put your hand into their territory and get in their space, they're going to fight back. But that said, they aren't coming out looking at you for a fight. No dragon is a sissy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, they actually, uh, as Adam mentioned, they're pretty common as familiars, Uh, They actually make excellent familiars. We'll go through the stat block. It'll really cover that but um, Yeah, they're excellent familiars and as familiars, they can actually communicate telepathically Kind of through Animal-like sounds like they'll kind of hiss like a cat if they're upset They'll kind of chirp like a bird if they're you know in a good mood like a playful chirp Uh, So kind of sounds like that right animalistic little chirps and clicks and things like that so they don't have a language They can understand common, but they don't speak it. Do they understand draconic as well? They do understand draconic as well, yeah. So common and draconic are the two languages that they understand, but again, can't speak. Sure. So basically a pet, right? You can give them commands, they can understand that. And this is why they make such excellent companions. Uh, Fickle, which is again why you would kind of compare them to a cat, right? They are very cat-like in many senses. So let's take a quick spin through the stat block. That'll give us a good understanding of what they're like. So uh, CR for these things, one quarter, right? They're not super powerful. Um, we'll get into why, but not super powerful. AC, 13. They've actually got a decent AC for something as small as what they are.
1: Well, the way that it used to work in previous editions was your size was taken into consideration. It wasn't just your dexterity plus plus right. 10 or whatever. So it used to be your size as well. We don't see that so much now. Mm-hmm. It's just natural armor in brackets. or That's right. Or if they are carrying a shield or whatever in brackets, right? Yeah. So uh, 13 makes a certain amount of sense, but what's their dex? The dex is, yeah, we'll get in, but
0: yeah, but is it a, Yeah, it's a plus two. Yeah. Plus two. Plus okay. two, So to be a 13 AC, it doesn't quite line up, right? So there's some sort of natural armor in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I'm glad. I, I would assume that it's because it's tiny and small. And it's gonna hard to hit. That yeah, does make around. sense. Uh, HP 7, these things are, a stiff breeze will knock them over, right? They're not hardy, but again, they're not meant to be, right? They're, they're mini dragons. <laughs> There's not a lot to them. Uh, move speed, 15 feet on foot. Again, they're tiny creatures, so they're not going to sure, go very fast. Yeah, that makes no, sense. But they're not meant to be on foot. They're going to fly. And with a the fly, they got 60 feet of movement. So. 60, yeah. 60 feet? 60 of Jeez, movement. they freaking move. Yeah, they do. They, they cruise. And, which is, again, why they make such excellent companions. Or, uh, sorry, um, familiars. familiars. Yeah. Because they're going to, uh, they're good for scouts as well. They're very good for scouts, and Mm -hmm. again, with their telepathy that I was talking about, that they communicate through over that distance, they're going to be able to send a message back to you. They're not going to make excellent scouts because you're not going to hear, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to tip anybody else off. So we'll get into the stat block here. Everything's pretty average. The only stat that they have that's low is strength, Um, right? Yeah, yeah, you got a six strength. There's not much to it. Uh, They've got, like we discussed on the dex, right? They're going to have a plus two to dex. They're going to have a plus one to constitution. Uh int, nothing, it's flat. Sure. Uh which makes sense, right? They are they are that's intelligent pretty, creatures, that's right? They're in, that's that's
1: intel- as intelligent as a commoner. Right. This right? isn't a beast,
0: right? This is yeah. it still is a dragon, so it's going to have some intelligence. Yeah. So 10 for... It makes sense. Yeah, Wisdom, even better. Plus one to their wisdom modifier. They've got their wise creatures, which makes sense. That's kind of that beast-intelligent creature hybrid, right? Yeah, well,
1: remember, in 5th edition, wisdom is not about how wise you are. It is about how you interact with the world. With the right? world, which is kind of that so beast
0: the, aspect of yeah, them, right? The perception is going to be higher. The, their survival. Exactly, right? They're made to survive in the wild. Exactly. Um, And charisma, flat. No bonuses, minus. So again, no minus, bonus. I mean... But that's, that's big. That is a
1: a small dragon familiar that is going to at least be as good as the average person yes. at figuring
0: out if you are lying or deceiving.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: So there's that, a lot There's a lot to them, right? There's nothing... Strength is the only thing that's really a hindrance to them, and that's to be expected. These things are yeah, small or fragile. Then they're not going to rely on it. Right? I'm actually a little bit surprised by the Constitution even being as high as it is for the size of them. Is that just a dragon? Being? I think it's the dragon lineage. That was what I was kind of getting at with that is... I think something that size shouldn't have that constitution, right? It should be a little lower. Now, you said that they look like red dragons, but they're not tied to red dragons. They're not tied. No, there's no lore in 5th edition that ties them to red dragons. Do they it's- have a breath weapon? They don't have a breath weapon. No, nothing like that. So not even fire breath? There's no, not- nothing. They don't hoard gold? or they're No, not rage there's, much? there's no real ties to dragons other than the fact that they look like one. We see that a lot with the other kind of dragons, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's reasonable. I think to have that. These aren't baby dragons, right? We have young dragons. We have wormlings, wormlings we We got, we all, got, all, that got all that covered. This is a different creature.
2: Uh, it just happens to resemble a dragon. Yeah, well, that's what pseudo means, right? It's, yeah. uh It looks like it, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah, similar enough in
0: theory. Yeah, so. it imitates a dragon. Sure. Um, so uh, as far as skills, it gets a bonus to perception and to stealth. Those are the two that it's proficient in. If we were to look at a, you know, player stat block that we call it proficient. So
1: one of the things that they used to do, so I'm going yeah. to pause you, is um, in the monster manual specifically, 99% of the creatures follow the format of these skills to get the bonuses add a proficiency Correct. modifier to it, which is loosely based on the number of hit dice that they have. Yes. So in this case, it's a plus two because it's such a low, exactly. uh, low CR creature, yeah. right? um in later books this is thrown entirely out the window and they seem to get these bonuses and things just kind of willy-nilly whenever like the designers felt
0: like it and i I don't know how i feel about that i'm kind of both ways on it i like having it tied to something at the same time it's nice to be able to just kind of toss something hey you know what this creature should have this Let's just give it to them.
1: The only reason I bring it up is because when you're dealing with familiars and you can give familiars um, sidekick levels yes. and stuff too now, um, thanks, thanks to Tasha's. Tasha's, yeah. yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a very cool. But these skills and whatnot are going to change over time. You're going to want to homebrew something that maybe is a little bit beefier because you're going in at a level 14 yeah. one shot with a pseudo dragon. You're not going to have it have seven hit points. No, of course So yeah. as you're beefing some things beef other things as well and the proficiency modifier seems to be the thing that you can reverse engineer a little bit if you were to take what was a perception perception and stealth it perception is a plus three plus three correct but their wisdom is a plus one so it obviously has a proficiency of plus two exactly right so So, yeah when you look at a 14th level character what's their proficiency there five i think usually four or or
0: five depending on the class right um
1: no it's 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 everybody's the same same. same. that's That's right right. everybody's the same now so um so, depending on how that works out, you can figure out what these skill levels will be, especially out of the monster manual. It's harder to
0: do for Ravnica and Theros and Eberron. Or well, they've just stuff. built it themselves. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, at least if nothing else, this will give you a good place to start. So, skills, they're proficient in stealth and perception. For yeah. lack of a better word, they're proficient in it. Interestingly, they have full blindsight for 10 feet. Huh? They have dark vision for 60 because dragons?
1: Well, because everything magical has dark vision. Yes. Dark vision is not an innate natural trait that things have. And people make that mistake. Like, why don't bats have dark vision? Because they're not magical. They're, they, they're just beasts, right? That's why humans don't get it. And dragonborn don't get it because they're not magical. There's no god there that is blessing them with this dark vision. It's not being given. Yes. Exactly. So, um, pseudo-dragons with the draconic bloodline that they would have... Again, would have yeah, this magical
0: thing. Absolutely, so. Yeah. Which is why Dragonborn have it, right? No, Dragonborn <laughs> are not. They're not from dragons. Oh, I'm going to flip the fucking table. All right. All right. Um, passive perception on these guys, 13. Again, these guys are, they're not looking to start a fight, but they're darn well prepared for something to come into their home, right? So they're yeah. keeping an eye out. They're aware of their space. This all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, languages, we covered this. Draconic, common, they understand, can't speak. Sure. Don't, don't eat too well on that. Uh, they have keen senses, like everything that has keen senses, it basically gives you advantage on any perception check using hearing or smell or sight. Oh, they get smell too. They get smell as well, yes they do. Okay, usually you only get two. So yeah, so these ones actually have all three. I
1: feel like they were designed specifically to be a familiar yes. and then got a monster stat block in the
0: monster. Absolutely. Room. Oh yeah. Um, they have magic resistance because of course they do. Sure. Why wouldn't they? They're magical creatures. They should have some sort of magical resistance. And we talked about a little bit limited telepathy. So up to 100 feet, they can communicate telepathically to another creature.
1: That's unique and different. It's strange it's 100 feet and yeah. not
0: 30 or 60 or 100 feet. Well, again, we kind of discussed it with the 60 foot fly speed, right? They've got this distance. They're meant to be forward scouts as a familiar.
1: Yeah, but you'd think it would be 120 feet then so that they could go out
0: two rounds. Two and still rounds. Talk. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're close to that. Yeah, I don't know why they picked 100 as a round number. Yeah, that, they did. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a just funny a, number. It's a different one. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of it for skills. And then you asked me about what attacks they have earlier. So sure, we'll get yeah. into that real quick. They get a bite attack. Yeah. And they... So that's a plus four to hit. Sure. Simple. And then it does 1d4 plus two piercing damage. So four on average. Again, c- CR one quarter, that's on par. That What more yeah, would you expect? You're
1: not going to... These guys are not there for combat, right? No,
0: they're not. And honestly, you're never going to use this bite attack really with them. And I'll tell you why. Because one, they don't get a multi-attack. They just got one attack. Again, CR one quarter, why would they have a multi-attack? Yeah. But they have a second attack that they can sting... With their tails, which is really interesting, right? Dragons don't have a stinger on their tails, generally speaking. Not in 5th edition. Not fifth, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a holdover, or I think it's just particularly these guys, and there's a good reason for it. So again, plus 4 to hit, just like the bite. 1d4 plus 2, exact same damage. But, when you get hit with this, you need to make a DC 11 constitution saving throw. Okay? Should you fail that throw, you become poisoned for an hour. Okay. okay. So poison condition, your favorite condition I know Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, if you fail to save by five or more, you actually will be fall you'll fall unconscious for the same duration, so one hour. Now, again, like any unconscious state, generally if you take any damage, um, if somebody try takes their time to wake you, right? A full action to wake you, that's how you wake up. But otherwise But this it's is not magical
1: sleep, so Correct. This can still hit elves. Who can't yes. be put to sleep. Magically. Correct. Not by okay. magically
0: mean, magical means. This is not labeled as, because it's unconscious, not sleep. Okay. So, right, there's a differentiation there, right?
1: Yeah, when you are asleep, you become unconscious. Correct.
0: But it's not, it doesn't work the other way It doesn't way work the other way around. Correct. So, yes. So, why would you ever use the bite, really, when the sting is an option without a multi-attack? I don't think you're going to throw it at a party. Yeah. And, again, these guys aren't meant for combat, so they're going to want to use a sting to basically hit and run. I'm going to put you to sleep if I can and get out of here. Or at least try and give you, poison you, slow you down, do something to try and take your mind off me while I get the hell out of here. Sure. And again, with the 60-foot fly, they're going to generally get away from you at low-level parties. Yeah, I mean... Unless you hit it before you it gets out of range, which... Yeah, you're... Yeah, for the most part, you're
1: right. I'm just thinking about this sting. Pseudo-dragons have, have traditionally had a stinger. Yes. They're like wyverns that way. Yeah. They're, these are the dragon types that have stingers. Um, and... They both do like with the with the wyvern, it is specifically a poison.
0: You are poisoned and you take poison Correct.
1: damage. Are you taking poison damage in this? Or is it it doesn't piercing? say so.
0: No, you're just poisoned. So you just take plain straight up piercing damage. Okay. And if you fail to save, then you're poisoned. And that poison knocks you out. So if you fail by five or more
1: if you okay so you aren't automatically so rolled. you just have disadvantage on your on your basic Correct. um attacks and ability saves so if you roll
0: less than 6 right 5 or less you're going to be unconscious yeah 6 to 11 you're just going to be poisoned so disadvantage over 11 then you're good okay all right so pretty straightforward that way sure so that's kind of the stat block there's not much more to it and I mean, of course if you level a familiar those of course that, you'll get the bonuses that any familiar would get that dc will go up as well right? correct because i mean we can kind of get into it here but there's not i don't see a lot of uses for this i wouldn't throw this at a party generally as a dm unless one you've got a wizard or somebody who wants a familiar mm-hmm. obviously here you go what better way to get you a familiar yeah um it's gonna be a quick easy combat right these aren't gonna be a combat challenge generally speaking They don't live in packs, again, generally speaking. So you're not going to fight a lot of these. However, I could imagine if you have maybe a lich or just an evil wizard who's wanting to breed these things, grow these things, keep a bunch of them in a space and try and train them as kind of guard creatures. Yeah. Fodder, right? They're going to be able to, with the telepathy within 100 feet, with everything else that they have, I could see a wizard being able to have, right, this is homebrew stuff, right? You can have multiple familiars in this case where these things are basically all trained to be his protector.
1: Yeah, you gotta remember too that familiars are they work a little bit different in fifth edition where they're not just the beast. Yeah. It is an actual like celestial spirit that takes the form of an imp or a, right. a, yes. a pseudo dragon or a quasid. Was the other one? A Sprite. Yeah. Those are the four main ones. Which means they have their own special boosted stats in the first place. Yes. The fact that um you can I read on. I read. I think in Tasha's that you can apply the sidekick um, leveling system to familiars, which makes a certain amount of sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That seems like it's a. They're already powerful enough that I don't see the need to. You wouldn't be breeding pseudo dragon familiars. Pseudo dragons no, themselves. Pseudo dragons
0: themselves. Kind of yes. Um, yeah. And I mean, especially if you're gonna have like a Cult of the Dragon kind of shit. Where yeah. You're, absolutely. Why wouldn't you have like nests of the cages of these
2: things? Yeah. I'm imagining like the wicked witch of the east and these are her flying monkeys. Yeah, but yeah.
1: like they're they're tiny but they absolutely almost like um was it Saruman that had the uh the crows that were yes. or was it ravens or crows? Doesn't
0: matter. It doesn't matter.
1: Um, that were spying on, on
0: everybody moving throughout the, the land and whatnot. You would have pseudo dragons doing yeah. that. Yeah, again, now. the telepathy of 100 feet, that won't work. But, I mean, they're smart, intelligent creatures. They're going to be able to hold and retain that information until they can
2: get back to you to report, yeah. right? Or so, can they relay, right? So if you have a bunch of them within 100 yeah, feet of each other and then they can send No reason them. they wouldn't be able to communicate with one another. Right. Absolutely.
1: So the telepathy.
0: Yes. Are they able to speak through the... Toilet? No, again, it's the clicks, the hisses, it's the animal noises, right? So they're not actually communicative in the way that they can speak in words. I wonder, they're smart enough to be literate. Yes. Can they... Oh, so, so can they read and write? There's nothing about that, but given the intelligence, I mean, that's going to be up to the DM, I think. There's nothing in there. I mean, being beasts, generally, you just kind of rule no. But they're not beasts, but they're, they're not dragons, right? They're dragons, so, but they don't really have hands either, right? They've got the little dragon claws, they're going to have a hard time. They could probably draw a shape in the sand, right? Yeah. or They could they, draw a formation if you wanted an army formation scouting.
1: Yeah, they could tally with a claw yeah. how many of a thing that they Absolutely. saw or they something. they could do something like that. I feel like sure. their memories are solid as well. Like they're going to remember you. It's not like, I mean, well, I, I
0: like have... Like crows, right? They've got, what is a crow's intelligence? It's oh, in, Or a raven's intelligence. I'm sure it's close.
1: Well, according to the Monster Manual, their intelligence is a whopping two. Is it that low? What? Yeah, but their wisdom is a 12 and their charisma is a six. So what am I think? Owls then? No, 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 no. Ravens have that long memory too, but I'm assuming that memory is tied to charisma, which is why six, which is lower than a human's, yeah. but higher than your average. Look, I got geckos. Yeah. <laughs> Those things, they, they will imprint on, on people. They will allow a certain number of people to handle them. But if you have too many people that handle them, it stresses them out because it's too many different smells and whatnot. Interesting. Yeah. So the general rule is between two to four people, depending on the personality of the gecko. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to let them forget one of them before right. you can bring another person in to handle them. So, um, it's not a first in, first out sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, it obviously is um, hmm. uh, the first people that interact with it. And I mean, they're vicious little bastards too. I put my hand in there and they know me. But they still think my fingers are food, so they're like, "Ooh, big worm! Time to eat that." So uh, that was my nickname in college Uh-oh. too. Yep. Yeah. So um, anyway, <laughs> I would like someone, one of the listeners, to go to back over the make last conversation accomplish- of your nicknames in college. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last hundred episodes or so, if been saying that. Anyway, um, so the uh, the idea of these these geckos being able to remember people to a degree. Without having a high intelligence means that these pseudo dragons would have a, a memory of like an average human average being, person. yeah, absolutely. right, and not even like a child,
0: yeah. like a an adult, right. So these, these are definitely much more intelligent than your crows and right, because you think of them, you know, knowing faces, being able to remember people,
2: but they can learn, yeah. they know how to use tools as well. Yeah, they have apparently entered the Stone Age. Um. And, yeah, <laughs> at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Um. And also, uh, they did an experiment with them once where uh, they put a treat behind seven different locks, and they had to do them in order to get it out. Right. So yeah. they have the ability to use tools and learn things, not just remember.
1: Them. And they, they can reason their way through a problem, yeah, right? Exactly. I feel like the stat block for ravens is not is not no, high enough. Not. Right.
0: So, but. Obviously, pseudo-dragons could do all, all of this they shit. They can do whatever most people could do within the bodies that they're confined to. Yeah. You so, wouldn't choose them as a familiar if they weren't capable. Absolutely. Right? However, looking at this, I mean, they seem like almost an ideal familiar compared to many of what people would pick, right? Yeah. You want something that... People pick owls all the time because they have the flight, but then they're limited, right? That's kind of what they've got. Well,
1: but they pick them for pets. I, okay, so... The idea here with the Find Familiar spell, which is the one that we're we're talking about here, you gain the service of a familiar, which is just simply a spirit that takes an animal form that you choose. Bat, cat, uh, crab, frog or toad, hawk, lizard, octopus, owl, poisonous snake, uh, fish, uh, you're supposed to use the quipper stat block for that, rat, raven, seahorse, spider, or weasel. They appear in in an unoccupied space within range, and they have the statistics of the chosen form. Though it's a Celestial, Fae, or Fiend, your choice, instead of a Beast.
0: So this stat block, though, jumps out to you right away compared to... Like, let's look at those other stat blocks, right? Is there any that are really going to compete? I mean, unless you have a very specific task that maybe you need a higher constitution or strength for. I mean, these things across the board are pretty solid aside from strength.
1: Well, they're not the regular familiar from the fine Familiar spell, right? These are the ones that you get... With the familiar trait that you would get through a through a class, hmm. so you can technically have this familiar and summon another familiar as well with the spell. With the spell, right? Um, so this is already kind of a beefier version of the of the one that you get for the fine familiar. Yeah, just because you
0: look at those,
2: those right. Stats. So yeah, I guess
0: if they're not in that list, you technically couldn't summon them with the
2: spell. So that's reasonable, I suppose. I think it also depends on why you're choosing any given familiar, right? Like, are you going for a role-play aspect? Are you going for just fun? Like, do you keep spiders in real life? So I want a spider familiar kind of thing,
0: right? Uh, I mean, yeah, generally, you know, my reasoning behind taking a familiar when I play anyways would be, one, you want a companion because you just want that, right? It's part of the character, right? Generally, if you're taking a familiar, it's part of the character. Mm -hmm. And then two, you're going to take it for the tactical bonuses that it gives you, right? You have a built-in scout you have something that's going to give you advantage in combat, yeah. Right? There's a lot of different opportunities for a familiar. Uh,
2: doesn't and this th- seems-
0: oh, okay. check? Go ahead. Yeah, this just seems to check a lot of those boxes. Yeah.
2: Uh, the pseudo dragon too. Um, it can share its magical resistance with the player as well, can't it? Yeah. No, you're right. So anything within ten feet, you share the magical resistance,
0: and. You also share senses within a hundred feet, but that's again with the with the variant rules, right? Not straight stats. Yeah.
1: yeah, but that's what for when you have a familiar. And remember though that you're sharing the senses, and it has those keen senses. So yes, that's, it does.
0: That's something else that you you're have. getting advantage basically on anything within a hundred feet. Any sort of check you want to make for perception.
1: That's pretty damn big. That's Massive. Yeah,
0: that's big. I gotta so, ask uh, Dave to give me a pseudo dragon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> again, you're welcome, Dave. <laughs> Okay, so that's solid. I'm curious about how you guys would use it in a campaign, specifically from a Dungeon Master perspective of having a monster or an NPC and not a familiar. Um, Maybe a familiar to an NPC, but Mm -hmm. uh, let's grab our dice and roll initiative. i got a couple questions. All right. I rolled a 17, so I'm going to be answering my own question first. (laughs) That's never awkward. (laughs) Um, All right, so the first thing I want to know is, are there any ideas for environmental or social encounters with this creature and the first thing that sticks out to me is that i would use it as kind of a guardian for a riddle Hmm. if you have gotten into a wizard's tower and you need to find the whatever the thing is the pseudo dragon will understand you and you have to roll persuasion not handle animal checks because it's intelligent enough um but if there's a riddle that you're trying to figure out it could either help you or hinder you Depending on mm. on what's going on, especially if it goes and uh, stings your artificer or your wizard and puts them to sleep and doesn't occur to anybody else to wake them up. Oh, magically asleep, huh? Yeah. yeah. Right, and they just let that slide because I see players yeah. do that. You're going to assume it's magical sleep, right? Yeah. So when they go down and they are they're unconscious, and now you've got the barbarian going. I don't know, smash it, right? Like you can have that pseudo dragon be. Um, a little bit more involved in the, the riddle process sure. because of the limited
0: communication and the high intelligence. Absolutely. It's going to know okay. the answer to that, salute, to that puzzle Yeah, and whether or not it helps you. And you're going to have to understand it as well, right? It, it can't speak to you, so yeah. I do that. I had something kind of similar, but more guarding maybe a treasure. Um, I mean, again, they're not dragons, so they don't have their own horde, but you can still imagine if this thing found something shiny or maybe another animal that it liked, some companion of its own. It has a
1: pet mouse? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Actually, if you look at the art in the book, there's there a little mouse right it. next to it on the book. I always yeah. thought
1: that it was about to eat the mouse, though. That's, that's... You know
0: what? I was talking to my wife about this before I came over. She said the exact same thing. I was just like, oh, good. They eat mice. I'm like, well, sure, why not? Yeah. I mean, absolutely, it could. But yeah, that's kind of how I pictured it. Is you know, It would be this little side thing, right? You're going down the road, and somebody just happens to catch out of the corner of their eye. Because, again, these things, they're stealthy. They have their own high perception, a decent passive perception. They're going to know you're coming probably before you know they're coming. Sure. And they're going to try and hide. But you got that one ranger with, you know, perception through the roof. Passive perception and, you know, 17 or something stupid. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there they are. So it makes sense that you would kind of catch this thing. And now all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out what's there. And it leads you to this other treasure. Maybe there's a magical weapon.
2: Mm. Maybe
0: just a little MacGuffin for the party to find. Something little, right? Yeah. Or it could be something big if you really want it to be. Right? Well,
1: I like the idea of like there's a freaking dragon that everybody's heard about the dragon guarding the horde, but it turns out it's just a pseudo dragon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a absolutely.
2: pile of gold. <laughs> there's another option. Um, I like, uh, Adam, I like your idea, um, with you know, it can either help you with a puzzle or it can give you a puzzle, right? Because with their telepathy, they can show you uh, simple ideas, emotions, images, right? So let's say you're trying to find something in this wizard's tower and all you, the only person you have to ask is a pseudo dragon and it gives you a bunch of images that mm. you have to figure out what it's trying to uh, tell yeah, you. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a lot that. of fun. That's yeah. yeah. good. Or um, you could also use it as like a quest giver. So um, it's, uh, let's say... It's a familiar for a wizard, and it's coming to you, and it needs your help to find this wizard or something like that. Yeah. Until you get the murder ho- her hobo party that just sees, oh, dragon,
0: yeah. must kill, need <laughs> yeah. scales.
1: Yeah. Um, normally I ask about battle tactics, but it's pretty clear are... there's not going to be one. No. It's going to try to get a sting in yeah. and then retreat on the next turn. It's smart enough to know that it should disengage before yes. it goes, and it's fast enough and small enough to... Get away up into the rafters where it's going to avoid you and, and whatnot. But um, do you guys have a plot hook for a side quest or a one shot or even a main story arc with this? I mean, we talked about puzzles, but is there anything that's, that's pseudo-dragon related for, uh, for something a little bit more in-depth?
0: Yeah, I was kind of thinking, again, we talked a little bit earlier about it being... So maybe it is not the key companion, but it's... Or not the key NPC, but it's a companion to an NPC. Mm-hmm. And you have this evil npc that maybe your party didn't pass their checks right and they they don't they could totally trust this guy and he sends them on their way and then all of a sudden telepathically somebody gets this little thing in their brain from the pseudo dragon telling them don't do this do this and right again using now that you've said the images i like that idea right using images of saying here's how you're going to burn to death if you go this way or here's the right it can kind of i can picture these things sort of having some idea of what's going to happen in the future right they aren't necessarily Foreseeing But they they At least have the intelligence To know this is going to go badly Yeah And then they can show you A picture of what to do instead Right So they're kind of Trying to Counter their own master Mm -hmm. Right They've realized That they're kind of Stuck where they are But telepathically They can at least Try and help you What was the alignment On these guys Yeah So by rule They're neutral good Like these are good
1: creatures even so, if they have an evil master, they, they well, honestly, if I'm using it for an NPC, I'm going to sway it in that direction. But yeah, of course, whatever the st- if it's a let's say lawful evil, I'll have it either be lawful or or evil, or evil so lawful be, neutral or yeah, yeah,
0: that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I could totally see these things right trying to thwart their, ma- especially if they don't want to be part of it. They're not liking what's going on. They have the intelligence and the charisma themselves to kind of have stand up for themselves and what they want.
1: So you got me thinking of this telepathy thing, Kyle. Where I'm like, for a plot hook, I would have it that there is a, there is a cleric. I'm probably going to go with a cleric, a priest, something that, that, or maybe even a warlock with a patron who's getting visions. But they've got a pseudo dragon familiar, and it's a pseudo dragon familiar influencing them.
2: Mm. Oh.
1: So they're the secret mastermind through these like cryptic visions to get certain things and whatnot. As this tortured soul is trying to appease a god. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that wow. does not actually exist. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because oh. it's just a pseudo-dragon in in the guy's mind doing this. <laughs> yeah. So
0: maybe not a warlock then because he wouldn't have a source of power then at that point. But
1: Well, a, a level one I, warlock yeah. could could just something as simple as I'm getting visions from this, from right. whoever this is. I'm going to start up a cult. I'm going to yeah.
2: whatever, right? So Interesting. I take it. Nobody ever suspects the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, do you have any
1: plot hook or, or anything? Uh, your head? Much,
2: I did have... Nah, not really. I Just the idea that um, it's trying to recruit you to find its master, I think. Um, can you force a familiar that... Uh, like, to be your familiar if it doesn't want to. Okay, so... Pseudo-Dragons actually does
0: cover this in the book. Where they are... Like, if they're not treated well, they're out of there. Like, Mm, they don't want to serve somebody who's not shielding the law. But that doesn't mean that... you got to earn it. But that that doesn't mean that they can't be dominated. Right? I still see them as... It's possible to dominate one, but it's not going to serve you in the way that you want Yeah, you put it it
1: in one of Dan's pieces of furniture, and it's going to do what you want. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for the regular familiar... Or for the fine familiar spell... Um, I actually ran into that the last time that – in our last campaign with Dan, he had a raven familiar who was – who hated his fucking guts. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And would keep – you'd be like, oh, I need you to go out there and scout. It was Zoltan the raven. Zoltan would go out. And see something and then just get like annihilated by whatever thing. It was a high level campaign. So it was a raven that flies around the corner. Just gets hit with the freaking breath weapon from a red dragon. And so then he would summon it again later that day. And it would show up and just be pissed. <laughs> and this was an ongoing thing. And his, he had a character arc. And by the end of it, the two of them came to a general understanding. Yeah. But for the most part, this was, a, this was a familiar that did not freaking like him. And so I feel like with the Find Familiar spell, that... Has a certain amount of auto dominate mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, perspective where they show up and they do what you tell them to. Yeah. However, with the pseudo dragon,
2: yeah, it's it,
1: built into the yeah. They they choose who their who their um, owner, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're alpha. They're, I yeah, don't know who, you... who they yeah who they serve. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's take a really quick break. Did you hit record? Yeah. Go ahead. So. As some of you have noticed, obviously, Dan and I launched a bit of an informal side project where we go through one of the Dungeons & Dragons publications at a time and determine the pros and cons and our overall thoughts. And the first one we did was Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frostmaiden.
2: We went over almost every page, covering moderate spoilers for the adventure without giving the ending away. We covered things that interest players or maybe useful to Dungeon Masters to get inspiration from.
1: I always love going through the monsters and the items and the player options.
2: I really enjoyed seeing all the different forms of the Frost Maiden and investigating everything about her frosty lair to her maiden head.
1: Dan, what the fuck, man? I need you to take these commercials way more seriously. I show up every time with the utmost professional attitude. Ah! What? You professional? Yes. Professional? What? Dick? At least I'm not an amateur dick. I don't what I what what. What is your problem? What's an amateur dick? Well, I don't know. Obviously, by definition, it's a dick that doesn't get paid. Does your dick normally get paid? I mean, it should. Well, I'm not sure that Canada's ready to reach you just a penny, Adam. Go fuck yourself, Dan. <laughs> it should be getting paid in pounds, if you get what I mean. You can pound pounds. it on your own time. We're trying to record a commercial. Okay, anyway, dick, we're going to periodically continue working our way through new releases as they come. Gross. As well as discussing some of the published material from Wizards of the Coast that has already hit the shelves. There's a lot of info out there for 5th edition, but not every DM or player knows which book to pick up next, or what to expect from an adventure module. After all, there's some great additions to the library, and then there's, well, Rick and Morty vs. D&D. This series is going to be sporadic and unscheduled, so keep your eyes out for these, and let us know if you agree with our assessments. We hope that you'll be able to use the series as a guideline for which books deserve your attention for your own personal needs as a D&D player, but keep in mind that they're going to be full of moderate spoilers for the adventures, and they aren't meant to tear into specific mechanics or stat blocks.
2: As we go on, you'll be able to find previous Legend Lore episodes in a playlist on our YouTube channel, or check out the episode guide to see what books we've already covered by looking at the post on r slash it's a mimic
1: on Reddit. Now. Let's get back to the episode, shall we? Fuck, one of these days we're going to record a normal fucking commercial. I highly doubt it. Well, whose fault is that?
2: Mostly yours.
1: Disagree. Okay, so we've talked pseudo-dragons. We're going to jump over now to Kyle, who rolled second highest on the initiative order. So that is, uh, that is fairy dragons now. Yeah, is All the
2: many different types and kinds of of fairy dragons that we get. It is just one one kind, but it changes colors over its lifetime. Fairy dragons are one of the smallest dragons, only about the size of a house cat. Uh, They've got iridescent scales that change colors depending on their age, with silvery, butterfly-like wings and long, prehensile tails. These mischievous little ragamuffins love to play tricks on people, often staying invisible to watch the fun, only revealing themselves when they know the pranks can take a joke. Like most dragons, these guys get stronger with age and with color change, gain new spells, and with each color change, gain new spells, but mature much more quickly and live shorter lives, uh, reaching full adulthood at only 51 years old. Uh, They can generally be found hanging out in tropical forests uh, and temperate climates, chilling with other fade creatures uh, like pixies and sprites, uh, choosing their, to build their nests high up in the boughs of trees like birds. And also using similar materials. Um, fairy dragons are tiny, chaotic, good creatures. Um, in terms of stats, these guys are nothing like regular dragons. Uh, they're sporting a CR of only 1 when they're red, orange, and yellow. And 2 uh, when they reach green, blue, and indigo, and violet. They're rocking a 15 AC with 4 plus. Four HP, uh, but they are fast in the air. They got the same speed as a pseudo dragon uh, with 60 feet of flying speed, uh, but just 10 on the ground. Uh, so they are interesting. very interesting. It's slower than the uh, pseudo dragon on the ground because it, it had 15. So that's interesting that they don't share that stat. Hmm. Yeah. Um, they are definitely not strong. Uh, they've only got a strength three, uh, meaning a negative four modifier in that category. Uh, but they do have positive ones for the rest of their stats, uh, their highest being dex at 20. Uh, they are skilled in arcana, perception, and have a plus seven in s- stealth, which I think makes sense for a creature that can turn invisible at will. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they've also got 60 feet of dark vision, like yeah. most dragons, um, a passive perception of 13, um, and they can speak both draconic and Sylvan. And they can actually speak. They can actually they can speak. speak. Um, as for abilities, uh, they have superior invisibility, which means as a bonus action. they uh, And anything that they are carrying or wearing also becomes invisible until their concentration ends. Carrying sure so like, wearing, I like that. I'm picturing one with a big chain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that is until their concentration ends. So the moment that they take damage of any kind,
2: that drops. Yeah. Um, they've also got limited telepathy, but it's different from the pseudo dragon one. Um, they can only use it to speak to other fairy dragons and within 60 feet of them, uh, which leads me to believe that these guys will generally live in packs or in like in close proximity to each other. Um, and they also have the magical resistance, giving them advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. They also have a once-per-day charisma-based spell list uh, with a DC 13 save uh, that will depend on their color and age. Um, They unlock new spells as they mature. Uh, Starting at red, they get Dancing Lights, Mage Hand, and Minor Illusion. Uh, When they get to orange, uh, they get Color Spray. Yellow gets Mirror Image. Green gets Suggestion. Blue gets Major Image. Uh, Indigo is Hallucinatory Terrain. And Violet... Uh, gets polymorph. That is an impressive
1: spell list. Yeah.
0: Especially because yeah. they're adding and not replacing as they go. Oh, yeah. So that's insane. Oh, by I, didn't, you're
2: I didn't catch that. That's right. Yeah. In my brain, it was replacing, but yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Huh.
2: And notice how none of them are like offensive spells, right? They're all kind of just made to fuck with people. Um, for their actions, uh, they have a bite attack with a plus seven to hits and a five foot reach that deals a mighty one piercing damage. They're not even going to die. It's just a wow. Yeah. Just a straight one. Uh, that's CR (laughs) one. I mean, again, you're not meant to use it just like the pseudo dragon. Why would you ever use the bite? I think it's a CR one because it's so hard to hit, right? Like it can turn invisible and it can also just cast itself everywhere. Yeah, it's also
1: CR one because hallucinatory terrain. Um, well, is a, that that's for the CR two version? Yeah. Um, the, the hallucinatory terrain will get people to walk off cliffs,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Like these guys are really, really fucky. Um, minor what? illusion can do it. Uh, mage hand is going to steal your your players' items yeah. up to five pounds, right? Like. Yeah. These guys are nasty, and they come in
0: groups too, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't remember: are these guys actually Fae or they're dragons? No, they're type? they're dragons. They, they dragons. are
2: dragons. Yeah, but they do hang out with Fae. so they'll yeah. normally be seen with pixies and sprites, and they'll uh, generally call them in to their aid if they're ever attacked. It makes sense. They actually feel almost more Fae than dragon. Yeah, absolutely. You, they have earned their name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I also love this bit: they have a euphoria breath attack. This uh, is yes. this is my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where they just shoot a little puff of gas at one creature within 5 feet of themselves. And if the target fails, the DC 11 Wisdom Saving Throw for 1 minute can't take reactions, uh, And it has to roll a D6 on the beginning of its turn to figure out what it's going to do. Uh, if they roll 1 to 4, it's the target is just going to walk in a random direction. And then if it's a 5-6, they can um, make another Wisdom Saving Throw to end the effect. Uh, this ability also comes with a recharge of 5-6, uh, meaning the dragon can get that ability back at the beginning of it, each of its turns.
1: Especially if you've got, like... I'm, I'm thinking a level 8 party could run into, in theory, about a dozen of these things. Yep. Yeah, And even though it's a low DC on that save... It's wisdom. It's, you can have
0: people who've tanked wisdom.
1: Yeah, for and, one. yeah, your barbarians are in trouble. <laughs> but even your, your cleric is going to fail... Like if there's well, enough of them. If yeah, there's enough of them, and uh, and then the, by the time that these guys are recharging, if it recharges on a five or six,
0: some of them are getting it back yeah. every time, every round that you roll. I mean, oh, you yeah. do note it is only a five foot reach on that spell, right? So mm-hmm. there's it's not you get, they can't do it from a distance. You got to be in their face, so you're already threatening them with their space, right? This is a defense mechanism. This is not an it, that's the way I envision, it anyways, right? I picture it as a defense mechanism rather than an offensive.
1: But they're tiny as well, which means that they can share the space with, with yes, larger they can. creatures. So that means, or with anything that's that's two above, which medium counts. So they could, I'm thinking in theory that's nine
2: plus the five feet above as well as another nine. You could have 18 of these guys attacking. Yeah, they yeah. could absolutely swarm. Yeah. Uh, I imagine them like dive-bombing, right? Because they got 60 feet of flying speed, so they That's just true. come
1: down... Especially if someone's already failed go. once, mm-hmm. they know they're not going to get that uh, opportunity attack. Oh, yeah, exactly. So they're just going to hit over and over and over again. Hey, what happens if you fail this save from three different fairy dragons? Do you have to succeed three different times?
0: Uh, I guess so. I, well, once per effect? I would mm. I would say yes. Uh,
1: that is how I would rule it, too. This this could get fucky. This is why they're a CR 1 and 2 and not a CR... One eighth, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I mean, but they're also dealing 1 damage to you. Right? But as, so, as you said,
0: walking in a random direction. If you've got them anywhere near a cliff or up
2: in the treetops or anything like that, you're plummeting. That's a good point. Uh, uh, personally, I think it's a hilarious mental image. Like someone sneaks up, and grabs one, and then it just goes... <laughs> <laughs> you think you got the jump on it. and uh, Nope. Uh, and I also think they would make excellent dental assistants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, all right. I see all right. it. Uh, now, after a little bit of internet sleuthing, uh, it seems that fairy dragons are drawn from the myths of ner- northeastern European folklore. Uh, the closest I can find to real-life lore about fairy dragons comes uh, from northeastern Europe uh, in Lithuania, Hungary, and Estonia, respectively called itvaras. Lederic and Pisouchans. And before you ask, no, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> uh, they also have a few other names, uh, but I think it's best for everyone if I avoided butchering them. Uh, the general consensus is that they are born from chicken eggs, black chicken eggs. Specifically, okay. Hold okay. so well, on.
1: Like, eggs from black chickens or black eggs from chickens?
2: Both. It depends on where you're going for more. Okay. Your And they can take forms ranging anywhere from a flaming bird, a dragon, or fire in the shape and clothing of a man. And they generally attach themselves to the households that birth them, uh, bringing both good and ill favor, making their owners rich, but often at the expense of their neighbors. So that's the chaotic good side.
1: So these things are kind of a a blessing with an asterisk.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. If you piss them off, they will burn your house down. So... So, or it might, your house might just burn down just because of ill luck. Well, <laughs> and that's just fae for you. Yeah. So,
1: I really like these. I like how D and D has kind of pulled that that flavor over. I also like that they're not familiars. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like that they're a little bit more wild and chaotic, and
0: they feel really fae-like. Yeah, the pseudo dragon was clearly built for it. This is clearly built to be autonomous.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, we've seen fairy dragons in previous editions as well. Like they've they've been around for a while and uh i prefer this version of them better um than previous editions just because it feels like these they feel almost like they're more of a
0: role-playing or an environmental scenario than an actual combat
2: oh, oh yeah, yeah right? definitely
0: absolutely it's the same with the pseudo dragon right mm-hmm. again not built these things aren't built for combat they're not built to do massive damage and take your party down they're meant to mess with your party or to interact with your party in some way. Okay, so let's grab our dice, because uh, I have some questions. All right. All right.
1: I got a nat 20. I had a four, but thank you, Kyle, for bumping <laughs> me to an 18. And you you're, the going 17. Third, you're, you're going third, third with, the with seven. a 17. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Well, once again, I'm answering my own question. Okay, environmental and social encounter opportunities here. Um, clearly, these guys are going to be flitting all around the Feywild. I have actually used these guys to great effect in uh, my own campaign where my players went to the Feywild and the fairy dragons actually approached the dragonborn and said, oh, you are more of dragon or you're more of man than you are of dragon. And they're like, what? (laughs) Uh, You're more of man than of dragon. And then said, we are more dragon. uh, We're more of dragon than of fey. And then they cocooned. I homebird this, they cocooned, and they came out with uh, like fairy wings instead of the silvery wings and uh and their abilities, their stats were a little bit different and they sparkled and they were now are more of fae. Would you like to be more of Dragon? We can teach you how. Yeah, and that wow. is how our Dragonborn got a tail and wings.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So um I really like fairy dragons being this chaotic good and they straddle the line between the two and kind of waffle back and forth. So um, between the idea of a, a fickle dragon or a fickle fey, which mm-hmm. I, I really love buried dragons. I would use them all the time. And you're right, the euphoria breath is hilarious. And I just want an artificer to capture it and be able to release it. Yeah. Right? Weaponize. Weaponize <laughs> the euphoria.
0: Yeah. I dig it. Um, for me, I picture these guys in a way almost guarding, protecting, and disguising a portal to the wilds. Oh yeah, like these guys are just kind of hanging out in the area of the portal, okay. And they're kind of judging who's worthy of entering and who's not, mm. right? Their whole job is to disguise, to hide, to manipulate anyone who's trying to go through the portal. And so these guys are just—they're judging you, right? You're coming up. They're going to ask you maybe some riddles. They're going to play tricks on you, and they're basically going to see how you respond. And mm. if they're—if they like what they see, here we'll guide you right to the portal.
2: Mm. If they don't like
0: what you—if they don't like what they see, well. Yeah, sure. The portal's that way. And then they walk off the yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I got you a just qu- got to have faith, right? Jump I, and I, I, go through
1: it. I got a question which has never come up before as well. In your opinion, so Mage Hand can only lift to five pounds. Yes. If you have 18 fairy dragons and they all cast Mage Hand at the same time. Five pounds each? Yes. Can you lift something 90
2: pounds? I say yes. Can a bunch of Mage Hands occupy the same space? But they don't need to if they're if picking up a halfling. Like, they're grabbing
0: by, like, pant legs and hood and scruff of the neck. and. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I like think it occupied the same five-foot square, I would I, say. Maybe not the same space, but...
1: I absolutely love the idea of these guys yeeting the fucking halfling
0: <laughs> <laughs> off a fucking cliff. <laughs> Rule of fun. I say yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is nothing specifically rules as written to contradict <laughs> so, it. Then they go and but grab
1: the Goliath and just nothing happens. Nothing happens, happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, because you're going to need a lot of these to lift anything of any measure, right? Yeah. <laughs> so
1: I, I say yes. Well, I don't, aren't gnomes like 15 pounds or something like ridiculous? are yeah. they're, they're tiny. Yeah. This could I be really fun. Tiny, but yes. Oh, and then you could have like the gnome actually befriend the fairy dragons and suddenly he's got an invisible fly speed for no reason. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> pick him up and then, you know, wave him around. Absolutely. Um, Kyle, do you have any... Uh, any insights on a social or environmental encounter with these guys?
2: Yeah, I think I think they would be playing for fun, you know? Like, they would want to play a trick on you, um, you know, with using the Mage Hand to lift somebody up. Oh, you want to come see my nest? And then just, like, lifting them up just to scare the crap out of them? Yeah. You know, just for, like, I don't know, I don't really imagine them uh, killing anything or trying to kill anything uh, unless... They are convoked. good.
0: They're still... Good creatures, generally speaking, so yeah. unless they have a reason to kill somebody, I don't think they're going to do it just for pleasure. Well, chaotic Cha- good though, so yeah, that comes but... with a grain of salt.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. For social encounters, I imagine just fucking with my party and trying to get them to see if they can figure out what is going on and what is affecting them. So, like, oh, if they're and invisible your, Goli- your and they're good. trips, yeah, or. Yeah, well, they've got so many ways of
0: manipulating your mind as well, or what you're seeing anyways, right? So there's a lot of opportunity there to really
2: mess with the party. Yeah, especially it suggestion. Is,
1: it is worth pointing out, though, that um, when its concentration ends, um, then it drops its invisibility. So a lot of the other things that require concentration can't be doubled up. Oh. So you're not going to be messing around too much with some, some of the illusion magic. But if you got a whatnot. pack of them, right? Each <laughs> one
0: casting a different concentration yeah. spell. Right, you're going to be able to do a lot of different things, especially you could have variation in the color of these things, right? They don't all have to be the same, but but it can't turn other things invisible, right? Right, so yes. it, it so can you could
1: have one that's that's there talking to the party while all this other crazy shit is happening around them, yes, and they may think there's only one fairy dragon there, so they can mask their numbers with yep. it. Um, well, um, but you're not going to have one that's able to cast this,
0: this invisibility on itself and then. Are there things. verbal or somatic components well, to these spells? Like they're innate ca- it's innate spell casting, right? It's at will. Does, but does it require any sort of because if they can do it, you know, without indicating that they're casting a spell, you could do a lot of funky stuff yeah. with that. Well,
1: it says that specifically, it does not take material components. But it doesn't say anything about verbal or yeah. somatic. So I assume that they still have to move and chirp
0: and do their own. But if their fake creature is going to be moving around wildly anyways, it may be hard to differ right?
2: unless somebody's intentionally trying to read their body behavior to see if they can tell that they're casting spells. Well, it does say in the greater invisibility that uh, whatever they're carrying is also invisible. So could they carry another fairy dragon? Oh, see, now Uh, you're just getting... Oh (laughs) oh my goodness. It specifically says any equipment. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think... uh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like... We got that player. It's just like 15 freaking fairy (laughs) dragons. I'm I'm starting to understand Dave a little better. (laughs) That's why he <laughs> hates his players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Do
1: you guys have any battle tactics? All right. Let's think about combat for a minute with these guys. For me personally, again, they are going to retreat and escape and harass from a distance. Mm. Right. You are going to turn the corner and see the boulder rolling down at you, but there's not actually there's no a boulder. boulder yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be that kind of thing. They don't have really any offensive spells, like you said. Their bite is one Super damage. weak. <laughs> yeah. Right. So they are there to create chaos and flee. Mm-hmm. That's what I see, especially with the 60 foot movement for yeah. the fly speed. Um, what would it take to actually
0: launch into combat with these guys? Yeah, I'd really struggle with that. Right. Unless they're really trying to defend something that they're willing to die for. Right. We've talked about this with intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. Right. That most creatures are going to want to live another day. Absolutely, are willing to bide their time. These guys are no different. So unless it's absolutely dire that they protect whatever they are protecting and it must survive, they're not going to stick around. I really would run these guys like NPCs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got the intelligence and the wisdom and charisma to back that up. Yeah. yeah, and they'll do anything to stay out of a fight, right? They'll smooth talk their way. They'll deceive you. They'll do whatever they can to avoid the fight. And when that fight
2: starts, they're running unless they absolutely must stay in that fight to the death. They're pretty easy to win over, too. Like, all you have to do is give them a little bit of food, maybe a bobble, right? And then they're kind of on your side. That's really fae-like as well. I would have them follow a lot of the weird fae rules
1: and stuff mm-hmm. as well. Like, uh If you approach at sundown wearing your shoes, then it means this, right, as opposed to that. And like, Absolutely. the weird kind of stuff. Or they're not interested in your gold, yeah. except that it's shiny. It's weird that you put someone's face on it. That's kind of neat, but I don't need ten of them. I only need the one. Yeah, right. So it's what it's the same face over and over. <laughs> oh, you limited humans, Boring. right? So uh, I I, can, I really do see them as being very fae-like. They're, they're more
0: fae than dragon to me, right? To me, they're dragon in form, but
2: They're fae in every other way. Yeah, even their breath weapon is fey like
1: Yes. So, um, do you guys have any plot hooks or side quests or one-shots or? But stories revolving around these guys, anything off the top of your head?
2: Yeah, I got one. Uh, So I imagine them as like an unreliable guide. So when you go into a dungeon or a castle or a cave and they're like, oh, follow me. I'm going to take you somewhere. And sometimes they'll take you to treasure. Sometimes they'll take you to ambushes, traps, right? Like, or sometimes they'll just disappear, right? Like they'll bring you into a place with a hundred doors and then just disappear. I also like the idea that they would, like, lead you down. They
1: know that there is a freaking spike trap, and they lead you down. they like, no, you don't need a torch. It's
0: okay. Just another couple of feet. And you fall in, and they're like,
1: ha, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Right? Like that's a lot of fun. They don't have any concept that you're even going to die, right? To them, it's just like, ha, ah, I made you do this thing that I wanted you to do. Yeah, because they are chaotic and so fail like you could really lean
1: into that shit, which is fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, I see them more as a way into, say, hags aren't really a good fit, but maybe there's some sort of master in the Feywild. Oh, you're talking about the Sealy Court? Yeah, something like that, where they're looking for adventure. They need somebody to do their dirt, some dirty work for them or to retrieve something for them. And these guys are the ones who are retrieving the party, right? They're on the hunt for somebody outside of the Feywild because they need some outside help. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking, they find you, they judge you worthy, they bring you through. And yeah, there's going to be a ton of mischief on the way to getting you to where you need to be. But ultimately they've been given a mission from, yeah, the Sealy course. Perfect. To bring you in. Honestly, I don't know about a side quest or a plot hook or anything. I would have this guy
1: be a merchant. Hmm. Something, a merchant of small things like, like herbs or something because they're using mage hand to move stuff around. Yeah. Um, And you can just imagine them sitting in like a store window like, looking up as there's, like, the sign is moving and so they're casting their illusion magic and whatnot to, like, lure people in, and then they're going to trade with people, but it's like, not, again, not for money. I was going to say, what do they want? Uh it, well, it depends what time of day it is, mm-hmm. right? Like, have have they eaten in the last hour? Yes, yeah. then they might want something different, right? So mm-hmm. what do you got, Yeah, right? And so that might be something that's a little bit more fun for them because th- they are not necessarily going to be in a shop in town, this is going to be when your guys are out in the middle of nowhere, like, "Hey, we are out of health potions. We have absolutely no resources left. We're screwed. Nobody has survival as a as a skill. Yeah. How are we going to get through this?" And all of a sudden, a fairy dragon shows up. and's like, "Ah, you guys want to?" I check out my wares. It's just a mm-hmm. bunch of stumps in a mm-hmm. ring with different like mushrooms and shit on mm-hmm. it. And be like, ah, "One of these will heal you, and I will tell you which one." Mm. If <laughs> right, <laughs> so I like that, uh, and so that's that's kind of uh, how I would use a fairy dragon, just as a as an NPC that's not quite an NPC that's memorable too. Yeah. And then I can also have them just show up in random places throughout the campaign whenever whenever that the bonus uh, like gonna a reoccurring fade. character yeah. show up wherever yeah, they need I like to that. be. Uh, any final thoughts about either the pseudo dragon or the fairy dragon before we move on? Because these are both tiny creatures. That serve nearly a, the same purpose as far as um, non-combat social encounters, uh, potentially allies to the party. Do we have any final thoughts about them before we we move forward? No, I think I'm good with that. Uh, yeah. Again,
0: pseudo dragons. I see again more as familiars. They're not. I don't see them as much of an environmental thing. I think that they're They were really clearly built for players to have a familiar. Yeah, whereas fairy, um, dragons, fairy are not. dragons are very much built the opposite way, where they're great for all sorts of shenanigans. But yeah, that's it.
1: Alright, so then if we're we're done on these guys before we get into a very different kind of uh dragon cousin here. Brad, do you have a shout out or anything that you know that you want to say to the people now that you're back
0: in the guild house? Well, one it's good to be back in the guild house yeah. recording remotely. I mean, I said this in the Tiefling episode as well, but it's just not the same. We, I, I miss the banter. I'm so glad to have it back. Um, and with that, I'm going to have a little DM tip for you here. Get in contact with other DMs. Don't DM by yourself. Don't, like, your players are great to bounce things off of, but bounce ideas off of other DMs. There's no better way to grow your portfolio, to grow your skill set, to learn new things and talking to other people who have dealt with similar issues in totally different ways. Because you might just find a fix for something that you've been struggling with. So get in community. Be it. Find a Discord server. Tons of DMs on Instagram. But yeah, that's
2: what I say. Like, get talk to other DMs. Uh, you can also reach out to us at Instagram, Facebook, and r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. Uh, you can also feel free to mail us any questions uh, at info at It's a com.
1: Yep. And remember, we're always taking mailbag questions, and we have already filled up the next round, uh, which is going to come out in September. Only one round? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We have so many freaking mailbag questions that are old, and we've got new ones sitting in the chamber to to come in.
0: But don't be afraid to send them, because that doesn't mean you won't make the cut. Oh, yeah. We select them at random, which ones will go onto the lists as well. So Also, don't be offended if we missed your question, because...
1: No, you know what? Take offense. I don't care. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyways, let's jump into the last question quote-unquote, cousin of dragons. Last time we talked about them, uh, I mentioned how wyverns often get mistaken for dragons, but they're not the only ones. The other creature that often gets misnamed is the drake. Surprisingly, unlike wyverns, this is a fairly modern mistake that we can thank a little-known author named J.R.R. Tolkien, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, No. um, for uh, adding the words drake and worms, spelled with a Y, to the conversation on dragons. Despite the fact that the word drake apparently comes with the Latin word Draco for dragon and it has no relation to the male duck the D&D drakes are closer to ducks than dragons in their level of intelligence and overall threat rating. However, they're not to be taken lightly. In other general lore drakes are merely lesser dragons either not yet mature enough to be considered a full dragon or simply a lesser draconic being like a wyvern. In previous editions Drakes could be any size, from tiny to large, they could have wings or not, or walk on their hind legs like a velociraptor, or on all fours, like Dave on a Saturday night. (laughs) But in 5th edition, where things are more streamlined and easier to understand at a glance, drakes are clearly defined as a different type of being from dragons, and they fall into a more bestial category. They're essentially pony-sized dragons with no sentience, breath weapons, or wings. Picture dumb, wingless dragons with the basic body structure of a wolf. They first appeared in Horde of the Dragon Queen in 5th edition, but got a reprint with some lore and variants in Volo's Guide to Monsters. But whereas previous editions had them as a wide variety of wild and free lesser dragons, 5th edition has thrown out the variety and streamlined their origins. Volo's classifies them as minimalistic creatures made from horrible rituals, that use dragon scales, so they technically fit the criteria to be considered a monstrosity type creature. But you know, dragons get special love from the game designers, so they're technically dragons. This ritual to make them was originally discovered by the cult of Tiamat in Horde of the Dragon Queen. But anyone with enough knowledge of Arcana and Dragons can replicate the spells given enough time and resources. Those resources are an iron cauldron, a huge pile of fresh meat and 10 pounds of fresh dragon scales that are donated by a dragon. It's strongly implied that the ritual will fail if the dragon doesn't willingly bless you with a gift of their scales.
2: Interesting. So I have a question about that. It seems to me like uh, a dragon wouldn't want the scales used in that way, right? Like it's creating a lesser version of them. Like it seems like a dragon's pride would want to prevent them from allowing it to happen
1: unless they're trying to get their cult more power all right these things are um more powerful than the average person so they're really good sentries and guards want it i'm going to get into that in
0: a sec so um yeah yeah i was just thinking so does it need to be willingly given for the intended purpose are you seeing what i'm getting dragons are hard to deceive I it's think easy, I think if but... you're going to get ten pounds of fresh dragon scales, wow. how many scales is that from, say, an ancient dragon? At the size that they are, how many would be ten pounds? Is this... Oh, four or
1: five. Yeah, but I mean, how hard is it to get those scales? I mean, yeah, yeah I figure they're picking them off. It's got to be painful, right? Yeah. Mm. So all right, let, let me let me jump into this because yeah. we have a little bit about the ritual. Let's go. Okay, when the ritual is completed, a halfling-sized egg is generated within the cauldron and within a couple of hours it will hatch and imprint itself upon the first thing that feeds it. It's unclear as to whether or not this pile of fresh meat is there to feed this, or that you're warping that meat to become the drake inside a dragon egg. Mm-hmm. Um, also, these scales, I feel that you need 10 pounds to be able to build a dragon egg out of the scales. Okay. This imprinting immediately manifests as an aggressive but obedient loyalty to the person that feeds it. It only takes roughly 20 days to become a full-grown drake that is essentially a draconic guard dog. When you think about cultists and cults of the dragon, whatnot, to answer your question from before, Kyle, I feel like it is gifted to the cult leader to have a couple of super pets. Like the, nor, If it was a fiendish cult, they would have two cerberi, right, on yeah. chains. This is going to be drakes that are gifted ...from the dragon to say, hey, you know what, These, this is my influence and my presence, even when I'm
2: not here.
0: Okay. So,
1: it's going to be a
2: good reminder of who you serve, right? Yeah. Is now, the dragon the one that came up with the ritual in the first place?
1: Um, spoilers for Horde of the Dragon Queen. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, now, depending on the kind of dragon that gifts the scales, you'll have a different kind of drake... ...with a different kind of body and head. Horns, frills, and crests will mimic the original dragon type... But for the most part, they're all wingless, muscular quadrupeds with nasty teeth and powerful tails. They do have claws as well, but they don't use them for combat. Before I go any further, it's worth pointing out that the drakes I'm talking about are called guard drakes in both Horde of the Dragon Queen and in Volos. So you're going to find them under G and not D for dragon. Mm -hmm. Um, But while Volos only gives us the one kind of drake, Horde of the Dragon Queen gives us another called an ambush drake. In fact, you can even see the art from them on the guard drake page in Volos. They're the green one. There's no lore or flavor given to the ambush drake in Horde of the Dragon Queen, but there are some pretty specific abilities that give an idea that they are wilder, weaker versions of the guard drake. So let me look at the stats for both of them side by side as I go. Both are medium, unaligned dragons although the artwork seems to imply that the difference between the bigger guard drake and the smaller ambush drake is akin to the difference between a wolf and a coyote. But, you know, bigger, medium-sized. This mirrors the CR difference as well, because the guard drake is a CR2 and the ambush drake is a CR half. Guard drakes have a 14 AC compared to the ambush drakes 13, but the guard drake has significantly higher hit points. They both have a speed of 30 feet per round and dark vision out to 60 feet, and they both understand commands in Draconic, but they can't speak it. Guard Drakes have a strength modifier too higher than Ambush Drakes, but Ambush Drakes have a dex modifier that's too higher than Guard Drakes. Guard Drakes have slightly higher con, and they both have an intelligence of four, which is negative three. Um, Guard Drakes also have a slightly higher charisma, but Ambush Drakes have a moderate edge on wisdom. Unfortunately, neither of these differences in wisdom or charisma are enough to change the modifier, so it actually doesn't matter. Here's where things start to diverge a little more. First of all, ambush drakes have a plus four to perception and stealth. Guard drakes have nothing to stealth and only half as much to perception. That makes the ambush drake have a better passive perception too, which is a weird detail for something you called a guard drake. You'd think they'd have a better ability to perceive shit.
0: I kind of have some thoughts on that, right? It's right in the name. So, ambush drake, right? These are your hunters. When you know that there's something in your region, That you need to track down and deal with before they find what they're looking for. You send the ambush drakes. The guard drakes are sitting there holding down the fort. So if anybody comes up. They well, already know you're there. I well, imagine
2: guard drakes more like bodyguards, right? Like yes. they, are, they are listening to the commands of whoever owns them, right? Whoever they're, they're like body- junkyard dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas the ambush drake, it's... It's wolves. Yeah, they're guarding your treasure, right? They are the ones... I'm not sure they're guarding treasure because...
1: No. Uh, let me get into it. They actually have more additional features that the guard drakes don't have. Okay. They have... Pack Tactics, which gives them advantage on attack rolls against targets that are adjacent to an ally of the Ambush Drake. Again, that gives me Hunter vibes. And they also get a Surprise Attack, which means that if they attack before their target in Round 1, they can do an additional 2d6 damage on a hit. So why does the Guard Drake get a CR 2 and the Ambush Drake get a CR half? Because the Guard Drake has better armor class, significantly more hit points, better physical stats for fighting, and a multi-attack which the ambush drake does not get. They only get one attack per turn. So now we kind of definitely have that idea of these pack hunters that are yes. out there. I'm thinking of Ramsey Bolton hunting down the girls in yep. Game of Thrones, oh, yeah. sending the hounds out as a group, mm-hmm. except the ambush drakes go out and do it stealthily. Yes, right? correct. So um, they do feel more feral. Um, and I feel like they would be out in the world more and away from people, I feel like sometimes ambush
0: strikes just don't come back. I, yeah, right. I've actually utilized them within a dragon's territory. Yep. Um, but again, yeah, they're free-roaming within that territory, right? They have the had the freedom to go wherever they wanted, and they were hunting anything that came within the dragon's territory that would pose a threat.
1: Yeah, you let them free on your land. Correct.
0: Whereas the guard drakes, they have the doghouse outside exactly. of your castle,
1: right? <laughs> um, when the guard drake attacks, mm-hmm. it makes two attacks. One with its bite, one with its tail. They're both plus five to hit, five foot reach, and target one creature. But the bite does 1d8 plus three, and the tail does 1d6 plus three. Piercing and bludgeoning, Um The ambush drake only gets one bite attack and only does one d6 plus three piercing. They are lesser threats.
2: I still think they should have a higher CR rating, though. Half, like, because that sneak attack plus the pack tactics, that's a pretty deadly combo. I mean, you're going to be combining
0: these with environmental effects and regional, like, you're going to be using these in an environment where they're comfortable.
1: Well, you have to keep in mind, too, that the CR rating is based on the single creature by itself. So Correct. it doesn't take pack okay. tactics into consideration on this, right? And you're right. A CR half is sketchy because that additional 2d6 on that surprise attack, yeah. that will kill a level yeah. 1 character. It will kill a level 2 character, yeah. right? you can knock your sorcerer or your wizard out round 1. Which is why I feel like these guys are supposed to come in packs where there's supposed to be 6 or 8 of them, and your party is supposed to be level four, five, six, yeah. somewhere in there. So that they can get... Ambushed and and then
2: stand up and fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of using both of them together. Like they, your party gets into a fight with the guard Drake first, and then you know a couple rounds in, that's when the ambush drakes come in. But remember, I round one. I yeah, I guess I guess that doesn't do so any it, sneak attack. Is it yeah. their, does it
0: differentiate between their combat round
2: one or just the general
0: combat round one? The way that su- that surprise works, yeah. in fifth
1: edition is. It's round one in initiative. So initiative is rolled all at once. Anything coming in part way technically doesn't count. I call bullshit. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when I, because I will throw waves of enemies at players. So you're fighting five foot soldiers, three go down, the next five join the battlefield. step up. Right. And so you never got out of initiative. These guys just rolled in at a later round. This is round one. If there's an assassin among them, they might be able to get the drop on you. But I'm also going to be rolling stealth the whole time, mm-hmm. and if they fail their stealth in rounds one, two, three, or four before they come into combat yeah. against your passive perception, then you know they're there. They lose their surprise, right? Yeah. I so mean, you're in
0: combat, your perception is going to be up. Any anyway. you're looking for danger, right? So it yeah. makes
1: sense exactly. Uh, although, I mean, you could make an argument that your perception, your, yeah. your perception's down because you're highly focused on something directly in front of you. Yeah. Um, it, and it depends on the environment. It depends who you're fighting too. If you're fighting an ooze you're going to hear the click clack of claws on the stone behind you. If you're fighting guys in suits of armor, you're not going to hear anything except the clanging of metal, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anyone following along with the books is going to notice that I left out one ability for the ambush drake. And that's because I've got a theory about it, which I'll get to in a second. So bear with me. In Volos, there are variant drakes listed based upon the five chromatic kinds of dragons. I mean, I guess you could make a metallic drake, but the ritual is clearly evil, and it originates from Tiamat's cult, so I feel like in the Forgotten Realms, you're only going to find chromatic drakes. I think that's fair. That was my feeling on it, too. Each of the five drakes gets abilities based on the color of the dragon they're spawned from. So black drakes are amphibious, which means they can breathe both air and water, and they get resistant to acid damage and a 30-foot swimming speed. Blue drakes can burrow 20 feet and get lightning resistance. Red drakes get a climb speed of 30 feet and fire resistance. White drakes get both a burrow speed of 20 feet and a climb speed of 30 feet. And, unsurprisingly, if you know the pattern, a resistance to cold damage. Mm -hmm. Now green drakes. Green drakes are amphibious and they get a swim speed of 30 feet like the black drakes, but they get a resistance to poison instead of acid. And this is where my theory comes around. In Horde of the Dragon Queen, ambush Drakes get a resistance to poison damage. They are also drawn to be the color green, and their features are generally similar to a Green Dragon's. My theory is that ambush Drakes also get variant options that never made it into the final publication. It would appear that for these variants, only the resistances are added, not the movement, speed, or ability to breathe underwater that some of the Guard Drakes may get. Now, there is nothing in the lore, and no reprint in Volo, so I only have the theory, but in my campaigns that's how I'm going to run them, right? Yeah. Ambush <laughs> drakes get resistances, based on the color. Guard drakes get resistances and environmental advantages, which kind of leads into what you were saying before yeah. about
0: being free in the in the area round of the dragon. Now, it's been a while since I've read Horde of the Dragon Queen. Is that purely based on where it fell in the story, that they were specifically related to a green, green dragon?
1: I sat down and... I would love to have a Control F search function in the books mm-hmm. because I, it's clearly in the monster stats at the end of the book. I got the Tyranny of Dragons book, which compiled the both of them together. So I flipped through hundreds of pages and could not find where the where the ambush drakes actually came in. I know they're in there somewhere, but I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately. Cool. So,
2: all right. I wonder huh. if ambush drakes are like offspring of guard drakes? The offspring? Yeah, like a mm-hmm. bastardized version of a bastardized version.
1: Oh, you think so? When you photocopy something too often, it becomes yeah. a lesser <laughs> that, that, that That's why they come back. They to just tracks. ran out of toner yeah. halfway through. Um, so, do you guys have a good idea now of, of what drakes are are like? Yeah, I think that pretty well lays them out. Okay, so let's jump into it. I know that we're not really going to have a whole lot in the way of social encounters, um, just right off the top, because these guys don't speak. Yeah, right. They can understand Draconic, but they don't speak it, right? Um, they don't have the intelligence to do it. But let's roll initiative because
0: I have a couple of questions. Adam knocked me into a 19. Thanks, Adam. Number three again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Welcome, Kyle, to the guild, heads, <laughs> where you will
1: always go last.
0: All right. All right. So, Brad, environment or social? These things are environment. Both. Yeah. So I kind of discussed a little bit. Ambush Drakes I see very much as environmental threats. Yes. Right? These are things that... The dragon or the cult have released in the area to defend the region that belongs to the dragon.
1: I feel almost like they are what the bad guys in the Jurassic World um, uh, franchise tried to do with the Velociraptors. We're going to weaponize them, right?
0: They've weaponized ambush. Exactly. And that's what they're for, right? Um, Whereas... Again, these things, I mean, they are going to be an environmental, even guard drakes, I think, are going to be environmental because in and of themselves, they're not intelligent. They can't don't communicate. You're not really going to have a social encounter with them. However, you could very easily have a social encounter with their handlers. Yeah. Now, you discussed in the description that they imprint on the person who first fed them. What happens when you kill that person? Oh, I think they go nuts. Right, like even the, if there's other cultists around, I don't think they do. They imprint on the next one, or well, remember, they're no, they're hyper, hyper,
1: hyper aggressive. Yeah, I think at that point they're just feral. Yeah, and the cultists would probably just let them loose out into the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. they wouldn't
1: kill them because it's a gift yeah, from you the could, dragon. You would
0: right. be screwed if you killed your yeah. dragon's pet. so, but. so
1: yeah, I, it, it's not clear. I think that you could probably get a social encounter out of one of these
0: things. If If you're you're the guys, (laughs) yeah. If you're the guys that actually like, if you can ambush it in the middle of the creation of this thing, right? This thing or this egg is waiting to hatch. You kill the cultists that are there, and the first person there gives it some meat. Boom! You've got one that's imprinted on you.
1: There are three kinds of cults in D anD D that we see over and over and over again, and we should see more. But the main three are draconic, um, elemental, or fiendish cults. Those are the three that we get. If it's a draconic cult, your player should just run across an egg in a cauldron mm-hmm. beside a pile of rotting meat. You think they're going to leave it unintended Or something happens. Yeah, whoever it was got called away, yeah. right? And the egg hasn't hatched yet. If they go over to interact with it, it will rouse the, the drake inside, and now they've got this creature, right? They may feed it, at which point now they got a pet. I mean, a very angry pet, but
2: they get a pet. Okay, so... The issue I have with that is, what is the dragon's role to the drake? Right, like, will it have telepathy with the drake? Will the drake know that it is essentially serving this master, its creator? There, no, there's nothing. No, there's nothing. The, the
1: drake is—it's just like it's, it's like a, a chihuahua is not going to be able to to say, "Oh, hey, I'm from wolves, yeah. therefore I will bow down and follow the wolves." Right. Uh, there might be an alpha kind of feel mm-hmm. to it right you i'm I, sure a dragon could command a drake just through being the bigger tougher yeah just by roaring loudly enough the drake will put its tail between his legs and submit to it okay. but i don't think that it's going to be a, a ally and honestly they're lesser dragons and dragons have egos yeah mm-hmm. right the, the drakes serve a purpose but eventually i mean they are just going to be
0: food mm-hmm. yeah the dragon doesn't really care whether the drake lives or dies of any sort of attachment right unless it has a purpose exactly all
2: right
0: so um battle tactics so i i've actually thrown these as a party a few times so the ambush drake i used again as a hunt they were a hunting pack yeah right so i think i threw four of them and they weren't meant to be a deadly encounter but i threw four of them at a level four party
1: i feel like this is just really early in the adventuring day just to whittle away
0: a couple of resources and and make them use up a health i used it to let them know that they were in dragon territory yeah right to make it clear like they came into a swamp for uh it was a black dragon but again i played them as black drakes sure um so they had the resistance and everything the way that you talked about homebrewing it i did that okay um so again use them they were hunting pack that the whole purpose as i described um, and then they did come in further, and that's when they came upon
2: the cultists who, literally on chains, had two black dra- guard drakes. Okay. I have two ideas for how I would use them. And one of them I is evil. But yeah, I oh, hey, you We like the hey, I, oh, I we guess, we guess like evil. <laughs> yeah, that's it. good. Uh, so, one, I, I like the idea of using guard and ambush drakes together. I like the idea of fighting a guard drake. Like, let's say you are entering the the main chamber for the cultists, right? And the the guard drakes attack you first, defending the cultists. And then as you're mid combat, that's when the ambush drakes come in and hit you from behind. I would homebrew it and use, like still be able to use the sneak attack. And the second way is I would leave the ambush drakes until the very end. Like you were done. You were going to the dragon's horde. You just finished the BBEG battle you walk in and there's like a chest in the middle of the room. Everybody's going, oh, it's a mimic, right? Yeah. But no, the room is full. It's got like five ambush rakes. Like there's one hanging from the chandelier and then there's four in all like the Like they're corners. hiding behind pillars and yeah. shit. Yeah, and like, right. So you to pounce. The, your party hasn't taken the long rest yet. Mm-hmm. And they go in and just bam. I am going to, let's uh, see, ambush rakes
1: interest me more. whenever the party sets up the NPC to keep watch overnight they're going to come out to blood smears and ambush drake prints moving away right so these things are going to be super deadly I'm also going to this is just me I'm rolling their initiative with advantage there's no point in having ambush drakes if they're not going to get the ambush agreed Mm -hmm. right so I'm still going to make it a roll so the rogue isn't going to get caught off guard but I want them to, to be able to get the drop on pretty much everybody else um guard drakes i really really like guard drakes and i don't know why there's nothing unique or special besides pile of hit points here they are the flavor of them is there though yeah i like the aggression factor of them and i would love to give a guard drake to a level eight party as a pet Mm. right it's not powerful enough to make a difference but it's beefy enough to last a round or two and hyper-aggression means that your barbarian, your dragon-born barbarian that has one on a chain, right? And yeah. names him Fluffy, right? <laughs> Love that. And, and is, yeah. is uh, sick him and just lets go with a chain and off it goes, right? Yeah. This is how you keep the goblin merchant in line. Mm-hmm. is just by having the guard drake inches from his face snapping his, his jaws, right? You just drool, hot breath. Exactly. Yeah. And at that point, I would give, you know, advantage on intimidation rolls. Absolutely. Shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um,
0: that is, that's how I, I'd run these guys for. What are you doing? You gotta go into the city. There's no way anybody's letting that thing in city limits.
1: Uh, Man, honestly, it depends on your freaking city. I would totally bring it into Baldur's Gate. Well, yeah, fair. All right. And if you're up north, if you're in Icewind Dale or, or even Neverwinter, which are kind of like. On the fringes of society, sure I do that, but it's it's not going into a, to water deep.
0: No, and most
1: most small small towns aren't going to let anything like that in. No, nope. not that they're going to be able to stop you. E- even yeah. Candlekeep is going to is going to say, okay, look, you leave it outside, or we'll chain it up inside the walls, away mm-hmm. from everyone else, and it's your job to feed this thing. Yeah, right.
0: Um, someone's going to be watching it at all times from your crew. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to just let it wander the city.
1: The other thing about guard drakes, too, is they do say over and over and over again the word aggressive. Yep. Which means that I don't think a guard drake will ever retreat, but an ambush drake would. Yes. Yeah. So even, like, a guard drake will fight to the very end, no matter what. Um, Do you guys have any plot hooks for a side quest or one-shot or main story arc for these guys? Because they don't really feel like they deserve... Like,
0: Like you said, the closest that you would get is giving it to the party as a... Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: I mean, they're they're henchmen at best, and
0: random encounters at worst. You mentioned, right, finding the egg. That's kind of your plot hook, Yeah, right? So the drake itself isn't the plot hook. It's the egg of the drake that gives you the potential for a plot hook. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Okay, so um, are there any final thoughts before we wrap the episode up?
0: Love these creatures is about all I can say. There's, There's so much potential in this, and you've got two very different types. We discussed it earlier, but... You know, you've got your social, your environmental encounter in your pseudo dragon, your fairy dragon, and then you have very much the opposite in the drake.
1: Yes, I really want there to be more kinds of drakes. There are dozens of them in previous editions, and we got one and a half in mm. in fifth edition so far. So I know that they've done the dragon campaign and the published material. I know we've got Feywild coming and and. Freaking Magic the Gathering stuff is around the corner, which I'm excited for, actually. But I want there to be more dragons in Dungeons & Dragons. I was dragons.
0: surprised they didn't give you something in uh, Mythic Odyssey. Well, they gave Dungeons us... They, Heroes, they, right? It, yeah, but it was all Hydra. It Hydra, was. Hydra, Hydra,
1: right? So, And that kind of makes a certain amount of sense. I'm ready for there to be more kinds of drakes. They should have had a Frost Drake in the Dragon yes, of Ice fire Peak, right? Like That's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, Kyle, any final thoughts on these cousins of dragons
2: uh, i thought they're pretty interesting i really like the fairy dragon i think it's got a lot of fun potential and it plays very differently from all the other ones you know yeah so
1: okay well that's it for this discussion on draconic creatures for now we've got a lot more ground to cover with dragons as we move forward so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future Next week, we will be heading to the kind of a campaign setting, kind of adjacent to the Forgotten Realms, very confusing, multiple different subsections and tiny domains that may or may not be part of the Shadowfell. Look, we're going to Ravenloft, and we're going to bust it all open for you there.
0: So uh, it's a lot to unpack, so make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of the podcast out there to the community, so please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Thank you for listening to another It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, shoutouts, requests, and mailbag questions can be sent to info at itsamimic.com.
1: Okay, so in the regular dragon episodes, uh, we talk a lot about dragon eggs because they're not often included in 5th um, edition. Do you guys have any thoughts about what your dragon egg would be for your creature that you covered? The pseudo-dragon or the fairy-dragon or anything? What it would look like?
0: or Let's let's grab dice, I want to. You want to roll for this one? Yeah. You got a nine. Seventeen. Six. Well, you are going last, Kyle. And I get to go first. What a turn of events. So. So, uh, I picture for the pseudo-dragon, Cadbury (laughs) (laughs) Mini-Egg. (laughs) Fuck. God damn it. (laughs) okay why not actually made of chocolate I no not actually made of chocolate but i'm picturing kind of you know a bright pastel sort of color a smooth finish yeah, um creamy center (laughs) of course (laughs) And you crunch into it you get kind of it's like a delicacy right Mm -hmm. like you get the uh, thousand year old century egg imagine that i would
1: rather not thank you thousand year old
0: century yeah that's that's right isn't it
1: yeah yeah um (laughs) see i actually got a little bit of lore like i said earlier um the drakes actually come from specifically, it says in the lore, um, halfling-sized eggs. They're very specific that it's halflings, which is very okay. strange. Um, but I guess because it's based on which kind of chromatic dragon it is, of course it'll be different different colors. And yeah, if, if sure. you uh, if you go back and listen to the dragon episodes, you'll hear us wax poetic about what those drags should or those dragon eggs, not the drakes, should look like. Um, and like. Different effects that you might have when you touch them or be around them. I would have that to a much lesser degree for the drakes. Yeah, they're
0: not right.
2: as magical, right? No, so. Yeah, no. makes sense. Uh, for me, I since it's a fairy, I would imagine they're small, like kinder hum- surprise, yeah, like. <laughs> well, like a hummingbird egg, you know, like oh, uh, oh, bright yeah. blue, mm-hmm. speckled, really pretty kind of thing. Uh, they only get up to like a meter and a half, two meters. So I just imagine like a little tiny egg.
1: What's the um. What's the first color for a fairy dragon, do you know? Red. Red. Yeah, that's right. You said red. Should they be red instead of blue? Or should they be, what was the last color? Violet? Yeah. Vi- no, yeah, violet or indigo.
2: Yes. Violet. I was
1: going off my Roy G. Biv. For mm-hmm. that, no. so, yeah, so um,
2: should they be red or violet? Uh, maybe all the colors of the rainbow. Does it change name? colors over the cycle of the egg? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
0: I like yeah. that too. I don't know. That's, I like it. Does it sparkle? Yeah, definitely.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye.